Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today I am so excited to have on a 52-year-old from Waterloo, Ontario. Elite Prospects has him at 6'2", which is probably accurate, but it has him at 209 pounds. So I don't think they update that once you're retired. Um, but he is a former ECHL champion, which I think that one's the Kelly Cup? Uh, yes. Yeah. And he also won a Sutherland Cup with yours truly, He, which I didn't know until today. He was also a player on the Sugar Kings before he was a coach with me. He was a staple for the Ottawa 67s and the Hampton Road Admirals. And uh, he has quite the following from when he had a mullet playing for the Brantford Smoke. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, John East. How are you today? I'm good, Wally. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, I'm great. I uh, actually realized that, uh, so I, I'm a single parent this weekend. The wife's out on a, a girl's weekend. And um, I told the kids, I said, I just sent a link to a buddy and I want to have a beer with them and do a podcast and talk. And I said, I need you guys to go to sleep for me, like no fighting. <laughs> and they did like they're, they've been great. So uh, I'm in a great mood because my children actually listened and went to bed without fighting tonight. There you go. You win, you win one battle every so often, man. Yeah, I know. It feels good right now. So now I have to get into how we know each other, which would be, this is coaches week. Cause I, last night I'm, I'm doing a, a triple header this weekend, by the way, because the wife's gone. And when the kids go to bed, I may as well make it rain, right? So last night was Dan Seaman, uh, which was my coach in Denmark. And tomorrow we're having on our first NHL athlete, Scott Foster, the accountant that played for the Chicago Blackhawks, my former teammate with the Western Michigan Broncos. Nice. Um, so it's going to be a busy weekend, but how we know each other is we won a Sutherland Cup and you were my coach with the Elmira Sugar Kings. And um, that is how we know each other was that championship. And now we have this WhatsApp group that started it. <laughs> yeah, 20, 20 something years later now, 21 years later, I, it's, uh, it's hard to believe that it's been that long. But uh, yeah, it was kind of cool just to see the uh, the guys start that WhatsApp chat up just to see all the names and hear some old stories or listen or read some old stories that we're going through. But uh, yeah, it's uh, when I think about it, it, it seems long ago, but then it also seems like yesterday I was driving up to Elmira to go to the rink. So it's, uh, it was, a, those were good. Those were a couple of really good years that we had there. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed playing for you too. I, I, 
that's uh i think when i learned how to become a winner um it did suck though that last year when we lost that oh, game seven eh that was so heartbreaking and it, i've told this story a thousand times to anybody who listens and and uh, do you remember brian mills mm -hmm. you remember millsy Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. Dude. yeah, yeah. So him and I, I'm still friends with him and and his family, and we're we're always we golf a lot together, and we go up to their cottages. So after we get a few pints in us, the stories start hashing, and I and especially uh, Brian's dad, me and George will sit down and we get it going, and I tell him that story. We called the timeout, game seven, down in Sarnia. We called the timeout. We drew up the play, and the puck came back to you, and I said. We win the draw. Wally's right at the top of the circle, and I can see it. I'm looking right to the net. I got. I can see the top corner, and you shoot top corner every flip in time, and you never <laughs> miss. And I would have bet my house that you would have scored, and that was the one time you did it. But it, it hit the it crossbar. Was, did it not? Did it not hit the crossbar and fly out of the zone, and they scored on the empty net? Uh, oh, geez, maybe you remember. He's probably better than mine. I just remember you didn't score. All I remember was in the last minute hitting the crossbar and it hitting the crossbar so hard that it went out of the zone and they scored on the empty net. And I was, cause it was such a little barn, right? Like yeah. it was tiny, the blue line, like it wasn't like rinks nowadays. No. And it was sold out. Like there was whatever that barn held 2,500 people in there was sold out. And I mean, it was crazy loud and it was like, cause remember we were down three, one in that series. Well, so I guess we should say who we were playing against. We were playing against oh, Sarnia, whatever Sarnia, yeah. they're called. But they had the, the twins, the Abbots, that were so yes. good. I think that they went on to have great careers in the Swedish League. Um, and played. they go to Cornell or something? Yeah, and then they went to the Swedish Elite League, which is a solid league. And I think yeah. they were there for quite a few years. So they had a good career. But, uh, yeah, they, they beat us. And uh, I remember the part of that series I remember was freezing my wrist to play. I missed one game. I sat on the bench because we didn't freeze it, and I, I, I couldn't shoot or pass because oh, really? of my wrist. Yeah, so um, I remember Adam Kennel, my centerman. Mm -hmm. His dad was a mm -hmm. doctor, and he was freezing me before the games. And uh, I remember the first time he did it to see if it would work in his doctor's office. I went to see him, and he, we went to see if freezing my wrist would work, and he put the needle in me. <laughs> And I passed out right there. Like I apparently if I see needles go in me, I pass out. So that wasn't the first or it wasn't the last time that happened in my career. But uh, yeah, that was the first time I found out that if I see a needle come out of me, I pass out. But yeah, his old man was doing it through the whole series. And uh, yeah, it sucked to play when you couldn't feel your hand. Yeah, it, but it was incredible because they were they were pretty good and 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 uh, I remember we got down early in that series and I think so it was game yeah we were down three to one so game game five uh no we no that's right we were in Sarnia I think we beat them three nothing in game five in Sarnia we went back to Omar we won that and we were just riding a such a big high in that game seven down in that rink and it, it was just incredible I remember after we had lost and I was walking, I was walking, um, I walked out of the dressing room and I was walking out the hallway and I was going to call my wife just to tell her what had happened. And so all the fans were still, still in the lobby. And I remember I locked eyes with Brian Mills, sister, and the two of us just started bawling and, you know, 
it was just such an emotional uh, – I mean, as great as it was, you know, we wanted to win, and it was – you know, we were just so emotional for it. But the year before was just incredible. We should have had back-to-back championships, but that run the year before was just something – like, it was something else. Down 2 nothing in the first two series, win, come back and win each game four straight. And, man, we were we were good. We had an older team that year compared to the second year. Like, I think we had uh, 11, 20 year olds on the team that year. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a big turnover to get back to the finals. It was a huge turnover. Yeah. But we had the thing about it was the, because we had you, we had Hogger, uh, Kennel returned. Um, Lackner. Lackner, Lackner returned. Millsy, Van Nyenatten. Yeah. Well, Nats was the key, right? Nats was yeah. the best goalie in the league at, um, at that time, like by he a was, mile, by yeah. a mile, he wasn't, it wasn't even close. He was so good. Like when he wanted to be, he was so dialed in. I was <laughs> funny. I remember, I think it was after it was one of the games was against the Sarnia series. And it was when we were losing it, my, whatever it was down in Sarnia after the first period. And they were whatever, two, nothing, three, nothing, whatever it was. And he says skates right off the ice. He's in the dressing room and he's swearing. And I just came in and I just said, Nat, just stop the fucking puck and shut up. That was it. Like, just calm yourself down and stop the puck. That no, wasn't. Anybody I, else was that in. Sarnia? I thought that it was talked about in that WhatsApp group. I thought that was the year before when he like just quit on a game and like went. Oh, no, that was that was uh, that was against Kitchener in Elmira, and he just skated off the ice. I think it was, or or maybe no Thorold, but that was when Petrie went in and and uh, tackled him. Petrie Petrie said don't worry I got this so I said all right go ahead yeah because I didn't really at that point in time I didn't really know Nats all that well because remember I came late into the season with you guys yeah um because the way that all unfolded was Graham had called me in the summer uh to be the head coach for the whole year and my my youngest daughter was had just been born and we had some complications so, uh, like she, you know, she almost died when she was in the hospital, right? And, or sorry, no, I'm wrong. Sorry, it was he called me to to take over, take over uh, whoever After, your first, but, yeah, Dave, uh, whoever your first coach was, yeah, yeah. And then I said, oh, I can't. I said, like, I can't do it. My uh, my daughter's in trouble. So then, once we got her all stabilized. Uh, he had already made the coaching change and brought Dave and Pi in. And then, so I remember calling him up. I just said, Hey, listen, I'd be interested in helping out in any way. Like I'll just sit up in the stands and watch if you want. And if not, no worries. And so he went and talked to, uh, to Dave and said, if you'd be interested in having another guy on board. And he said, yes. And then, uh, that's where, that's how it all started. Cause I think I came, there was only like 10 or 11 games left in the season when I, uh, when I joined you guys. Okay. See, like I, I, my memory's not very good. Like, no, almost, neither is mine. Uh, well, it sounds better than mine because, <laughs> like, for me, I was so focused at that time on like hockey and the games and high school, and I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember that we were down two nothing and then one four straight in the first two series. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, I, 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 I just remember losing. Um, and I remember winning not that much, to be honest. I remember losing way more. Um, and that sucks. But um, what I did want to talk about, since you brought him up already, was the, the, the coach we did have that we won the Sutherland Cup with. And 
was my coach for the next year when we lost, but was an, like a great guy, Dave Officer, who was the high school guidance counselor for guys on the, the team at Blue Vale High School, Waterloo. And yeah. we needed a coach and we, they couldn't find any coaches. So the, the guidance counselor stepped up and said, I'll be the coach. And thank goodness you came and Pete Pie came because he was not a hockey mind. He didn't know hockey, but man, he stepped up and won a championship in junior B as a first time hockey coach. Right. You know, you know what Dave did and it took me a little while to, to appreciate it was he he just brought everybody together he was such a people guy and he was so pot he was ultra positive and for me playing for the coaches that I played for like this was foreign to me and I just and it was hard for me to wrap my head around it like when things were screwing up he wouldn't get mad he would get nicer you know and I'm like this is not the way you coach man and and I'll but I will say the like the one of the things the best thing about him what he's he listened Right. So he wasn't saying, I'm the head coach. This is the way it's going to be. He would come in and say, okay, Easter, what do you, what do you think we should do here? And he was willing to take what Pi and I had uh, to offer from our hockey experience. And then, you know, he would relay the message to you guys. And that, and that's really like being a head coach is about managing the, the players and the, and the personalities and, and you act as a leader. And that's the one thing he did is he, uh, he was an unbelievable uh, leader for your, you know, for the whole team, you know, but he was so ultra positive. And I don't know what went on prior to that. I mean, I heard some stories, the guy that you had was, was a little off, a uh, little off kilter, I guess we could say, but, you know, Dave just, he just brought everybody together. And I mean, it was, you know, you guys had a good team, but you had to get everybody focused, kind of moving in that right direction. And, and Dave did it. Now there was, there was hiccups along the way. There was, there was some, I remember first, might have been even the first weekend I came in. I think Aggie and somebody else had broken curfew or they got caught out doing something. And then that's and, Barrett I gets episode five if people are wondering. Okay, continue yeah. on. So, yeah. And I remember Dave, like, like I didn't know who anybody was. And he's like, Well, what should we do? I said, Well, bench him. You know, like this is before I even know anything what's going on. I said, Well, if he broke a rule, then you got to sit him out you know, he's got to be disciplined and he's no, nope, no, nope, because that's going to hurt the team. He goes, I need to send the kid a message. So what he did is he made Eggie at practice skate all of you guys. And yeah. he laid the biggest guilt trip on him. And I remember <laughs> like Eggie was at center ice blowing the whistle and all you guys were getting bag skated and he did nothing. And I thought, okay, man, that was pretty good. That was really good. That was really good. That is thinking outside the box. And I totally forgot about that. And you remember you know now? but yeah, and what a great idea though, because realistically you don't want to sewer the kid that's trying to get a scholarship. Yeah. The teams are coming to watch him play. You don't want him sitting out a game to prove a point to have him do that would have proven more of a point to Eggett's and he doesn't, look bad and your coach is still supporting you and getting to the next level i think that's great it was awesome and what it did is it put the onus on eggy like okay listen you want to be an you want to be an asshole this is what's going to happen and now he put he created the peer pressure with him amongst all of you guys so now you guys are paying the punishment for his mistake and i'm telling you right now that was pretty much the start because that was like the first weekend i was with the team when all that went down 
And, and then after that, it was, uh, you know, everything, everything really took off. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty good. Oh man. That, yeah. That team came together like so fast. Like it was kind of like everybody was, they weren't on the same page. We'll say with the first coach, but that's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, I just but, remember hearing, I just remember hearing some stories. Yeah. There were some stories. There was some interesting things. Like, so I guess I could say it right. Like, so, uh, he's from Elmire. That's the only problem. Um, but he would have a stopwatch on the shifts. And if you were at 29 seconds, you have, you got to stay out. But if you were at 30, you had to change. And like, there, it didn't matter which line it was. It didn't matter if you're the first line, the second line, third line, like it was all based on the stopwatch. And we weren't, we didn't call the lines by like the centerman's name. They were colors. So there was yeah. the purple line, the blue line, the whatever. Uh, and I like, it was just, and then like everybody penalty killed, everybody played power play and it was like, everybody was holding hands and singing. Kumbaya. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird, but then you guys came and yeah, Dave officer listened to you too. Cause he didn't have the hockey knowledge, but he was a people person and he was a smart enough person to know who had the answers, which was you and Pi. And that is a leader, right? That's exactly what it is. And that's what, and that's, and that's truly what he did, you know, and, and he didn't know me from a hole in the ground, right? Like we met basically, I, God, I barely remember. I think we met for 10 or 15 minutes and he just said, yeah, like if you want to stand upstairs and watch. And I did that for the first, well, actually I did that right. You know what? I did that right till the, um, the end of regular season. And then there was a little something that you guys never knew what happened. And I'll just, because uh, this is going out on the airway, so I won't tell the story, but there was a little conflict behind the scenes. And Pi went off the bench and I went on the bench. I don't, you probably don't remember that, do you? I, I, man, that's so long ago. There's been yeah. so much stuff happened. Um, I kind of remember something, but like, can we just tell the story? This is a, this is this is a podcast it's real you can tell the story Jeez, so what did that's what a did, fine turn your ringer off oh did you hear that? <laughs> so what did what had happened was uh pi was um pi was incensed over the way dave was coaching like he was losing his mind we would go out for pints after the game and he just he couldn't handle it he goes i can't deal he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know how to blah 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 and so he went to Graham and said, you need to get rid of Dave and Easter and I need to take over the team. This is after you guys have already made a coaching change. I just like, I don't even know who some of your names. And I said, you, I told him, I said, Pi, this is a bad, you can't do that, man. This is a bad idea. And he did it. And then next thing I know, I'm on the bench and he's in the, <laughs> he's in the stands. <laughs> Yeah, I told him, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Like, just let's just ride, ride it out. Like, you know, he just, but he couldn't, he got so mad at Dave. My, my, my memory of Pi, uh, that comes to mind, because I haven't seen, I, the only time I've seen him, when he, he came to watch a senior A hockey game, and he was watching the game behind the Durham net, and then we waved to each other or whatever. But other than that, I haven't seen him since junior B, but my memory was in a practice i scored a goal and then i acted like a hot dog and like did a sally 
and he shot a puck at my head and it, <laughs> I had no earpieces in and it hit me in the ear oh. and like I like went down and like this was my coach shot a puck <laughs> at my head and hit me in the ear. Uh, I didn't know that Pi was crazy, man. He was a he was a tough SOB too. He was nuts. I didn't. I, I that might have been before I joined the team because I don't remember that at all. All right. Anyways, we better uh, we better get into the actual podcast. We've kind of just forced around here so far because uh, my question is where? Um, yeah. So we've talked about how we know each other. That's as far as we've got. Um, and but I did have Dave Officer at the end of the episode, so good thing we covered him already. But we never did talk about the five oh four check, but um, <laughs> the ambush. <laughs> we sorry, sorry, we can't move on yet. You have to tell that story, okay? Because oh. he was a hockey guy, right? Oh, <laughs> he won a junior B championship. So tell the story, please. That was that was the second year, I think. Because he came to me and he said, Easter, what do you think? What do you think we just we just dumped the puck in and we send all five guys in and we ambush them? And I'm like, Dave, you can't do that, man. We have nobody back. What if they just chip the puck past us? They'll have a breakaway. And I remember telling Ranker and uh and and Lackner about it. And to this day, because I've seen well, it's been a few years since I've seen Lax, but oh my God, they they would always bring that up. Let's do the ambush. But even that through that whole season, the, those two guys would kept, kept bringing it up. You guys want to do the ambush? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, 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 both of those guys I've talked to, they're both going to come on. Um, I just <clears throat> had to do the coaches thing. So now I got to I got to I got to wait a little bit to have another Sugar King on because I can't just keep telling the Sutherland Cup story over and over again because there's too many people. I got to mix things up, right? Yeah, those two are just gonna have to wait now. And Andrew, I'm sorry. I know you're like my best buddy, and we grew up together, and we went to kindergarten together, and we, you, you played professional hockey too. But guess what? You're gonna have to wait because we'll make you like a special episode, like number fifty or something. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So sorry, buddy. Um, uh, okay. Here we yeah, go. Here we go. Five on oh four chest. It's never been done before, Wally. <laughs> From the high school guidance counselor, which, by the way, I've been listening, seeing the WhatsApp group, and him and Van Dianat sound like they literally, Van Dianat would say he, he couldn't go to school or whatever because he'd be in the guidance counselor's office making up the plans for the game that night, but like strategy <laughs> meetings, they called them. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. So where are you now? Where are you living now? Uh, Waterdown, Ontario, for the past 23 years, man. So the real estate's gone up a bit there, eh? So you've had yes, the same home there. So that's same home, yeah, it. yeah. We're getting we're getting close. Uh, we're getting close to the end. So my kids are now 23 and 20. So I get the, my youngest one's just uh, finishing up her third year at Brock in kinesiology. Uh, my oldest daughter graduated last year's with a last year with a master's in environmental science. So she's just kind of trying to find full-time work right now, but they're both uh, going up to work at a golf course up at our cottage this summer at Big Wind Island. Where's that? Uh, Muskoka, it's on uh, Big Wind Islands on Lake of Bays. It's kind of in between Bracebridge and Huntsville area. 
Oh, that's yeah, that's nice. So that's a family cause. Is that your side of the family or her side? Uh, my my wife. So my wife's parents bought it uh, fifteen years ago, I think, for the family. So it's it's a family it's a family cottage. And then uh, my father in law passed uh, about three three years ago now, four years ago now. So my wife and I kind of are the ones that look after we look after it all, but. Uh, yeah, so her brother and his family all all spend time up there. So it's a it's a great place. Yeah, it's uh, we're probably once we're done, we're probably going to go end up living up there. Well, I saw the picture you sent me. It looks like beautiful. But yeah, yeah, we're on. That's, that's also the same picture. I noticed you weren't two hundred nine pounds anymore, but um, <laughs> I was actually right. pretty thin in that picture compared to what I am now, buddy. <laughs> but hey. I'm just proud of you because you're the first guy to come to two ales and hockey tails with a full magnum of wine. So <laughs> congratulations, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> there you go. Hey. This is my Friday night ritual, man. I drink a, I drink a bottle of wine on Friday night. Hey, you, you, you just see me judging anybody here? Like you should see episode. If you ever heard episode 12 with me and my college roommate, and it was uh, we. What we did was his interview, and then my interview, and he interviewed me. Oh. And by the second interview, man, we couldn't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, it's pretty embarrassing. But this is all raw content. I just send her out there. So don't judge go. me. Okay, That's here we go. Good. So, where did you play minor hockey? And um, did you do? I actually, we already said you played for the Ottawa Sixty Seven. So give me your minor hockey to Ottawa 67's rundown. So I played, grew up in Waterloo, played all my minor hockey in the Waterloo minor hockey system, whatever it was. We were just a quick question. Sure. Did you play in the bubble? I did. I played what before. A spot, the, eh? I played before it was the bubble when it was the barn. What? Yeah. You guys are too young to, it was, it, it was a barn back then, man. It was, you know what it was? It was, um, it was uh, similar to Stratford, not quite as big, but it had the big had the big uh, barn roof to it. It was an awesome facility, man. It was so good. It the ice in there was fantastic. It was just everything was done in wood. It was so good. So then, how does it become the bubble? Because the roof was falling apart, so they tore the roof off and they put that bubble on it. So to tell the people about the bubble, just quick here. Sorry, we're getting off topic, but tell. Yeah, them so that, that actually the bubble happened. I think I might have already been gone when they uh, tore the roof off, but the roof was the, the wooden roof was falling apart. It was it, it was they basically was condemned. So they tore the roof off. They put this bubble that you would see over top of like a tennis court in the winter time. And they had um, the doors, they had those revolving doors that were pressured, like the pressurized or whatever. Pressurized doors. And I mean, and it was crazy and it was loud in there because the, the roof was so low and the sound would bounce off that ceiling. And it, it was a pretty crazy place to play in. Okay. Sorry. I just was curious. As soon as you said you played Waterloo, I just thought of the bubble because that was a heck of an arena. Okay. Oh. Carry on. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Play. So I played, played my minor, all my minor hockey uh, in Waterloo. We were a double A center until I was in uh, minor P. My, I think minor P. We, we did half triple A, half double A. Then major P. We, we went total triple A. 
And then when I went to, um, so then I played minor band AAA, then my major band Amir, um, I ended up uh, playing ball in the summer and I had, I had these two guys that were my coaches. They were going to be my coaches for hockey and they were just Lugans, man. Like I'm just like, I was 13 years old at the time. And I remember going to my dad, I said, dad, I can't do it. I can't play for this guy again after the baseball season. I said, this guy, they know nothing. They're idiots. Like and he goes, well, phone them up and tell them you're not playing. So my dad putting the responsibility on me, right. As a young, as he think about that now in today's day, today's oh. day, like the parents do everything. Right. So my dad said, if you don't want to play, it's your responsibility to call the coach. So I called the coach and said, I'm not playing on your team. I'm playing. I'm, I'm going to play on the, uh, the B team, the double A team which ended up being one of the best decisions uh, I ever made. So I played double A that year when I should have been playing triple uh, A. And our double A team was probably better than our triple A team because at that point in time, because we were all 13, 14 years old. And so guys were starting to grow. Some guys were still really small. So the, this coach thought you needed all big guys. And I was the biggest guy anyway, which had already quit his team. So he cut all the small guys who were all the best players and we had, we had an unbelievable team. And, uh, so yeah, I really, uh, you know, I kind of dominated at the double a level cause I would carry the puck. And cause I was at that time I was, uh, I think I was already, I think I was already six foot two at that time. Like I was, I was a huge kid. Right. So and then, I, then you're getting to handle the puck a bit. So you're six two and learning how to handle the puck and learning how to handle puck skating with the puck and played, you know, like I never came, I never came off the ice. Right. So and you pro if you're playing tri the triple a loop, you're probably not handling the puck as much. Not as much. And we would have been a really weak triple a team, but we were a stud double a team. So then the next year was my minor midget year and I skipped minor midget and went right to major midget. And I played major mid uh, a year up and had a, uh, had a really good season. I was in the OHL draft that year, but I was rated like third, fourth round. And, uh, and I didn't really, I didn't know if I was ready to play at that level. And we were getting, the only team that really contacted us was uh, 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 Hamilton, which uh, this guy, Bill LaForge was the coach who was just absolutely crazy. So my dad said, you're not going to play for them. So we sent out a letter to, to the teams not to draft me. And I went and played, uh, in Alma well, I actually was thinking I was going to play for the Siskins as a Waterloo kid. And I went and tried out for the Siskins, got cut after the first tryout. <laughs> and, yeah. So I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Like, I'm supposed to be this really good player. I get cut after the first tryout. Sorry, uh, did you say you asked not to be drafted? As a 15-year-old that okay yeah because they it was different back then wally they had a, no they, yeah there was a year where you like the guys that got drafted younger yeah i remember it because the guys my age i was the first year of the bantam draft which i actually was the very last pick of the ohl draft the actual last pick oh is that right yeah no i think that's uh, that that's means something right like yeah so, the very last pick that means you're that sure close to there you go you're that close to not getting picked at all but then the next year they had another five rounds of my age group so i get hope i would have gone at some point I would, next I'm year, sure, right i'm sure you would have. yeah so the year that it, uh my what they called back then underage your 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 15 16 year old year they were only allowed to draft um two two players of that age so you were 
like you're going in and and most of the, and it was pretty much all 19 and 20 year olds back it was a crazy league back then so that was I was totally cool with it I'm like okay I'll go back I'll go play your junior B get a little better and then we'll go from there and we thought I did get cut first tryout first tryout got cut so then we we called on a tough day or what I don't know. Be honest with you. I don't even remember. I mean, it's one tryout. Who knows what's, who knows the coach Ross Yancey was the coach. He said, what? Oh, yeah. do, you, do you know him? <laughs> Ross Yancey was your coach. He was the coach of the Siskins, Waterloo Siskins. Reed Yancey, his son was my college roommate for four years. Yeah. So yeah, Reed played in Stratford. So is Ross's dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you should ask him. Roscoe cut you after a practice. Ross and he'll I'm going to have to talk to Roscoe about this. Me and him are going to have words. He he'll, lost a gem that day. He, he'll remember that because so I went to Elmira and, and what uh, a joke, Roscoe. Come on, man. It made the team. So, guess our first game was against Waterloo. So, my first junior B game is against Waterloo Siskins, who, who cut me, and I scored the first goal of the game. Did you fire one in the bench? Did you I fire him by the their bench, bench at Roscoe? Yeah, I did. I said something to him. I don't even. I don't remember what I said, but I did things. And I had a bunch of buddies because I like I I was going to high school in Waterloo at WCI, so there was all kinds of Siskins that were going to high school, and guys that I played midget with were on that team. And I I was so pumped when I scored when I scored in that game, man. Oh. That's so brutal that he cut you, Roscoe. 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 Come on, man. Like. And I was oh, a Waterloo kid, man. I was a local kid. And they, you know, ah, they kept... The same thing happened to Brandon Dietrich and Rob Collins, who yeah. were my favorite players growing up. It's why I wore number 23 and number 10, which Brandon Dietrich was the guy that got me to Germany. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, they got cut from Waterloo and then come to Elmira and like lead the league and score yeah. and both get scholarships. And you're telling me you couldn't make the Waterloo team. So like this whole politics and all the stuff that goes on in hockey is just so ridiculous. Yeah. So what, you know what, Wally, at the end of the day, because uh, the Siskins had a pretty good team that year. So Stratford was Stratford's team that year was, could have, could have played in the OHL. That's how good they were. They had, I think they had 11 guys play, play pro hockey off that team, like second round draft picks, uh, first round draft, like to the NHL, like they were, they were loaded. And then the Siskins were number two and as Elmira. And back then we were almost all locals. Like there, we had, I was from Waterloo. We had a couple of guys from Kitchener. Um, we had a guy from Guelph, but everybody else was either from Elmira or Fergus, Alora, like it was, and we were good, man. We ended up in third and uh, we beat Cambridge in the first round of the ser- uh, the playoffs. And then we ended up losing to Stratford in the second round, but uh, they were unbelievable. Game. I had a hat trick, my only hat trick in hockey ever in the playoffs against the Stratford Collins. And we had a line brawl. Do you remember, uh, you would know who, um, uh, oh my God. Um, he coaches RIT now. Coaches RIT. Yeah. I, I don't know. Who Dave Smith. Is. I know Dave know. Smith is. I don't. He's been coaching college hockey forever. I don't know. No, don't, anyway, he was, he was, he was on, uh, he was on our team. Uh, he was on our team that year and he, he was the one that started the brawl. And, uh, this guy, Warren, Warren Bullock, 
went at him. And I remember I came in and I grabbed Warren Bullock and I started feeding him. And then this big defenseman they had, who was like 21 years old, Walt Morris, full beard. He was like 230 pounds, grabs a hold of me, pulls me off of Warren Bullock. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then one of our 20 year olds came in and just suckered him. And it was just chaos, man. This is in a playoff game. The benches were side by side back in those days in the old in the old Stratford Arena. They weren't across from each other, and it was just utter chaos. It was insane, and no suspensions. Nobody got kicked out. It was just everybody fought and then continued to play the game. But they were phenomenal. They had like Steve um, uh, Steve Shifley was on that team. He was a second rounder to Philly. Pat Murray played for Philadelphia. Their goaltender played in the NHL. Uh, Nelson Emerson was on that team, played like 17 years in yeah. the NHL. I knew that is NHL uh, Sean, four. Sean Heafy. Yeah, they were stacked, man. They were so good. Matt, uh, uh, Jerry St. Cyr, I think he played in the NHL. Like they were so good. You know what's very interesting to me that I just realized is my favorite game growing up was NHL 94. And man, you weren't far off from playing in that game and uh that would have been really cool if you had been in that game and i could have played as you because you're you're that old i am that old buddy i saw yeah. your hockey card you sent me today it said 1991 92 when yeah. you had the, when you had the sweet flow for the uh how'd you like that mullet that man the flow that was good gosh like what were you doing okay hold on that's, that's what everybody had back then Okay, hold on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So you played oh. for the Ottawa 67s, and I believe that would have been when you started rocking a mullet. And um, and uh, Ryan Kilray was probably the coach who coached my buddy Rodney Bauman. Yes, um, he did. And he raved about him, man. He loved Ryan Kilray. So yeah. tell me about that time of your life. So after I played my year in Elmira, got drafted by the 67s, and went went to camp and I remember thinking like they had a very veteran team and this was Kilray had just come back um from the New York Islander he had coached two years with the New York Islanders the they had fired the previous coach who was there when I got drafted so he didn't know me from from a hole in the ground and I remember we we get on the ice the first day of training camp and I was guys I was god awful I had just got back we were playing in a baseball tournament out west for the uh, Canadian championships so I hadn't so, been on the ice in so like, maybe it's not Ross's fault maybe it's your fault maybe your first practice with teams you just <laughs> suck eh? oh that could be buddy. you know I what know. Ross Ross maybe, least... Ross maybe this isn't your fault hold on there's been some new information coming I'm sorry Ross I never meant it but. The difference is a good coach always gives a kid a chance. And Kilray, Kilray gave me the chance after the first day. I was so bad, man. I was so bad. And he called everybody. It wasn't just me. It was everybody. And he, I remember he called the whole training camp to center ice. And he goes, yeah. He goes, this was just God. In his words, this was fucking awful. And this is the worst fucking hockey I've ever fucking seen. And, you know, I know there's been some of you guys playing. Holy moly, a lot of F-bombs, John. Oh, yeah, he's... John, you're, I'm talking about you. You're you're throwing a lot of F-bombs. I'm you're talking like, like Brian Kilray talking. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. Carry on. Go yeah. ahead. No, uh, this, is a, this is real. If that's how he talked, go ahead. And uh, so that's, that's what he was saying. And he goes... You know, I know there's some of you guys that have been playing in Canadian Championship Baseball, so we're we're just going to forget this day ever happened, and we'll start tomorrow. 
And so that was what we did. And then uh, we got down to get, we were getting down to, I made it through all the cuts and there was, it was between me and another defenseman and we were playing an exhibition game in Hull. And I went out, I scored a goal, got in a fight. And he told me after the game, he goes, uh, East, welcome to the team. I'm like, sweet. And we were at practice. And that was a Friday night. We had Saturday morning practice. And he calls me, he calls me over and he goes, yeah, he goes, go tell that other idiot to come over and see me because I'm going to send him home. And that was the guy that I beat out for the position. So I went, hey, buddy, coach wants to talk to you. And I knew he was getting cut, right? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I, played there. I played there for four years, man. And Killer was, uh, Killer was hard. He would, he would coach through fear. And that's the way they all did it back in those days. And if you couldn't take it, you would get, you would die, right? There were some guys that couldn't handle it. I was a whipping boy, especially my first two seasons, because uh, I wasn't very good in my first year. And, but I, I worked hard, you know, I kept my nose clean and, uh, you know, I ended up playing there for four years and, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was the best four years of my life, man. Um, I know what you mean about whether or not you can take it. Like, uh, uh, my first year as a rookie in the coast when uh, we were going to do video or something, I remember the coach coming up to me like near, like when he first was getting to know me, he comes up to me and he says, hey, Wally, he goes, I'm going to really give it to you in video um, today and probably in the future um, in front of the whole team. And he goes, because I think you can take it. And I, I want to prove my points to the team. And I think you're one of the guys that can take it. So I think that's part of being a whipping boy, right? Like all these guys on the team thought I was a whipping boy for him, but like realistically me and him had had our talk and I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Well, I never had that talk with Kilray. So it was just, you know, that year we had, so Jeff, you know who Jeff Valentine is from. Oh Atlanta. yeah. Yep. Yep. So Valley was our first round pick second overall. Um, Andrew Castles was our second round pick who was our best player on the team. Then we had uh, two underagers, one kid who just, he was 50, like 16 years old, but looked like he was 12. And then the other 15 year old was Vern Ray who was a, uh, a native from uh, Nipigon, Ontario, which is up near Thunder Bay, was like tough as nails. And then there was me. Those were our five rookies. Okay, hold on. Was Andrew Castles on the Hartford Whalers in the yes. NHL 94? And yes, rate, rated, rated in the 80s, probably. Pretty good player. Yeah. He yeah. was unbelievable. He was first rounder by Montreal. Yeah, yeah me and Bays uh, played. Uh, me and my buddy from Elmira, <laughs> we did this all the way into our 20s. We played... Uh, a best of seven of best of sevens of NHL 94. We'd get together one day a year and uh, we'd, we'd get a case of beer and play a best of seven of best of sevens of NHL 94. And I remember all these players that you're talking about and that it's bringing back some memories and you were actually playing with these guys. My goodness. Cass was Cass and I were, uh, were good buddies. He was, he was so good in junior. So as a 17 year old, he led our team in scoring. And he was like, I forget what he had, like 85, 90 points that year. And then his second year, I think he led the league in scoring. I think he had like 155 points. 
he played on the world, uh, played on the world juniors. Like he was, he was so good. Yeah. He got drafted by Montreal. The Montreal ended up trading him to, to Hartford. And then that was right when Hartford moved to uh, Carolina. So I don't know if he ever played in Carolina and then he ended up going to Calgary and then he played like 17 years, Calgary, Vancouver. And then I think he ended up in Washington to, he played that many years, 17 years. Yeah, he played a long time, man. And you, player. so he was the same age as you same in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, we were drafted the same year. Yeah, it's interesting watching your buddies and where their careers go because you're all together, like, say, in Ottawa for four years, and I was at Western Michigan for four years. And then to see where everybody goes afterwards and, like, everybody's path just goes so differently and you just never all see each other again. And it's, it's, that's what I love about this man is we're catching up and I haven't seen you in since we went golfing once, like, and and for a guy that coached you in junior B, like you went golfing with us years later, that's how much we respected you and liked you as a coach. Like for us to reach out to our junior B coach, Back in those days, you used to hate your coaches, right? Yeah, yeah well, I certainly appreciate it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I've had good relationships with most of the players that I've coached over the years. And, uh, you know, it's that was the one thing I, as I was playing, I kind of always thought in the back of my mind, I wouldn't mind being a coach. And especially once I got done, uh, once I got done playing junior, Cause I mean, I was like, literally I was harped on every day, every day. And all I kept saying to myself is maybe just give me a pat on the back once in a while, just make me feel good instead of just shitting on me all the time and trying to, trying to push me that way. So I remember always thinking, okay, you know what, you can be hard, but you still got to encourage, uh, you know, give some encouragement to give some positivity just so you don't just beat, beat them down. Right. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I got way off topic there um and bringing up coaching already because we're still only in your ottawa 67 days and, yeah um, so okay well I, 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 no hold on are you rocking a mullet at that point when does the mullet start uh yeah pretty much right then as soon as i went to the the first year i was there i think i still had the old part down the middle feathered back on the sides and then my second Beautiful. year was was short on top, long in the back, right through till probably my third or fourth year of pro. So is that um, you wanting to be like a cool hockey player? Is that you trying to pick up chicks at night? Which um, is that, um, what is the reason for the mullet? And like, what are your Friday, Saturday nights after the games like when you're rocking a mullet? Because you can't just go home when you have a mullet. Buddy, everybody had a mullet back in those days. So I was just one of a million. It was the whole team had them. If you go back and look at my old hockey pictures and the team photos, everybody, everybody, everybody in the league had them. Everybody in the NHL had a mullet. It was what they called it. You know what they called it back then was hockey hair. That's what they called it. Hockey air has changed over the years. Hey, I've never been able to do it, no matter what it is. Yeah, no, that's what it was called. It was called hockey hair, and everybody had the short on top. You're telling we were... me a mullet was called hockey hair back then? Yeah. yeah. Shut, shut your mouth. I'm telling you, that's what it was called, man. Well, when you sent me the picture of that card, so 
You play for the Ottawa 67s. So we'll get back on topic here since we're talking about bullets. Because you played for Keller. You liked playing with him, and that was all good. We better move on because then you break into professional hockey with the Hampton Road Admirals. And you sent me a picture today, which will be on your poster that um, Lee and Cardiff Freeman Designs is making for me. Everybody gets a poster for their children, their wives, and the, you know, the kids. Everybody gets a poster. Um, but that mullet was incredible. Like <laughs> it was the most gorgeous set of hair I've seen in a long time. And I had I had the long blonde locks going, man. And back then you could skate around in warm-ups, no buckets. So that's what that's what we did. It was and you had a team full of balls just cruising around, cruising around, cruising <laughs> around, and 10,000 10, people. And we would sell out that rate. We were good too. We were really good. And uh, yeah, you'd skate around in warm ups, and the place would go insane because of the mullets. Well, just because we were on the ice, but that, that was the style back then, buddy. <laughs> holy moly that is just incredible i could just picture it and then you see what hockey's become now and you got like guys like william nylander and stuff like that and like you guys used to be so hardcore like look at that photo you sent me like we'll get it out there people are gonna see it and my gosh you're the hottest hockey player i've ever seen in my life (laughs) Well, at least I had something going for me back in those days. Dude, you don't look any different now. You haven't aged a day. Little little heavier, little little less on the on the top. Yeah, but you do you have the party in the back still or no? No, it's as short in <laughs> as short in the back as it is in the front. Uh though everybody's gotta grow up someday, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, You're fascinated with the mullet, eh, Wally? Oh man, that the hockey card is literally like it's my favorite hockey card I've ever seen in my life. Like that thing, that thing should should be worth some money because like you don't get locks like that um, every day. Like I, there's no way. Like you imagine me with a mullet, like uh, and me cruising around I'm, in that warm up with you fellas. I'm telling you, that's what everybody in the team had. That I would look. So ridiculous with the mullet, but maybe that's what should happen. Okay, here we go. We're back on topic. You won a championship there. I and, did. And the only reason I know this is because you put it in the WhatsApp group is Olaf Kolzig was your roommate. Was he not German? Uh, he was born. He was, he, yeah, his name is German. He was actually born in South Africa. Uh, his dad was, I his dad was, um, his dad traveled around. I can't remember if he was with the military or something else, but his dad traveled all over the place. He was actually from Western Canada, but, uh, German heritage, born in South Africa, uh, great guy. He was, so he was, a, he was one of the, I think he might've been the first ever first round pick for a goaltender by the Washington Capitals. And he was, uh, not ready for the NHL. And they sent them, so not even ready for the American League. So they sent him down to uh, to the East Coast League with us. And I ended up living with him and another guy. And fantastic guy. 
had uh, tough as nails. Like he fought probably four or five times that year. And he had, that was probably part of his problem is his, like, he remember how Nats would lose his mind. Ole was even on another, another level. Like, Hold that on. Was, more than Nats? There's no way you're more nuts. Yeah, than he Nats. Was, he would every goal that went in on him, he would lose his mind. So it took it took him a few years to kind of get that all under control before he ended up having uh, the success that he did in the NHL. But he was a great like, off the ice. He was he was an unbelievable guy. Goalies he, are nuts, eh? Yeah, but he was he was like he was like six three two twenty. He was huge, and he could skate. He could shoot. Like he was good, man, and he was tough. He was tough. And back in those days, we had like, like that, these closely, we only dressed, we didn't have four lines, 60. You had three lines, one extra forward and, and, and five defensemen. That, that was the same when I was in the coast. Yeah. Because there was so many, bath. Yeah. it was brawls every game. Yeah. 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 No, that sounds the same as when I was in the coast. It didn't sound that far off. I was, that was one of my notes was what minor hockey was like back then. Other than I had, I wrote down mullets, um, but I guess the whole team had them. Um, but um, so it was basically like when I went to pro, that was when the super heavyweights were out and um, every team had the super heavyweight, but then the rest of the team were still heavyweights. Like there weren't, there wasn't a lot of skill. Like if you weren't tough, you couldn't play in the AHL. Yeah. And that's so like, I'm a generation before you. So <laughs> what the hell just happened there? You still there? Yeah, but and what happened? You all right? Did you keep talking? No, I stopped as soon as you left. Seriously? Yeah, well, I didn't know what was going on. You took I off. had to piss. Oh. <laughs> you just stopped talking, eh? This is yeah. raw content, though. Keep going, then. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was a generation uh, before. You know what, you... folks? If you're still listening, thank you for still listening. Um I don't edit this, so there could be a 20-second pause there where you wonder what's going on, but that's raw content right there. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I thought you were going to keep telling your story. I didn't know. All of a sudden, you pulled your headphones off and you took off. I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> this is a generation gap right here. Well, it is. I told you. you. I, I would have figured you knew I was going pissed, but that's I'm fine. Not, I'm not. Well, you know, I assume that's what you were doing, but I wasn't sure. Anyway, the getting this back. Is a, this is a live recording. You go ahead. Go ahead. You can, you can add it. Um, I, I don't know how to edit stuff. You go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm a generation. that long, did it? How so long was I gone? I don't know. 30 seconds. I'll, I wasn't, I wasn't counting. <laughs> if they're listening this long, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So back then it was like, you had like, there was like the NHL was stacked with, with heavyweights, but so was the American league. 
so was the East Coast League. Like, if you didn't fight, you weren't playing, basically, unless you were a, a, a scorer. If you were afraid at all, there was not a chance that you were going to play. Like, it was every game was – there was fights every game. That's just, the, that's just the way it was. And everybody – like, the difference was back then is you fought for yourself. Like, even, even the guys, the scorers, would stand up for themselves. It's not like it is today, right? And if you had a big hit, you just – you kept playing, right? But uh, – yeah, it was it was really there was a lot of tough guys back then, man. Oh man, it's crazy how different it is now. Like when you see the games now, there's literally no body contact. No, and there's no body contact, and it's like, well, how do you have ten guys out there skating that fast and nobody's hitting each other? Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way the game's evolved. I mean, you go watch an OHL game now, there's no, like, my buddy's kid plays in Barry. I've watched him over the last few years, and it's, you know, the skill the skill is off the charts. Like, the kids are so fast. They they handle the puck so well, but there's no hitting, and the NHL's not much different, you know? The playoffs no. always changes a little bit more, but, uh, yeah, it's nowhere near as physical as what it used to be. Okay, well, if anybody's still listening after the P incident. Um, <laughs> um, so, basically, I think you win the championship your first year, right? Mm -hmm. What, what? Uh, any memories of that? And um, yeah, I think you only played two years of, like, actual professional hockey, right? Uh, no, I think I played, like, five. So, I was down in the East Coast League for for two or a year and a half I guess so we won the championship that first year and we were phenomenal and I went back for the second year and things were going along smooth and then we got into it was about February and I got I was a healthy scratch one night and all of a sudden uh, a guy that I knew from junior from another team he shows up in the arena like he, he's like living back in Ontario, playing hockey back in Ontario. And he shows up in the rink that night. And I, I'm like, his name was Don Martin. I said, Marty, what the hell are you doing here? And I guess, uh, cause he, he, uh, he played, um, or he had, he tried out with us in Hampton roads the year before, but he never, he never hung around and he ended up meeting a girl. So he was coming down to see this girl and he's like, well, Easter, he goes, I'm playing in Brantford, man. He goes, why don't you come play in Brantford? And I'm like, wow, what the, like, it was the Colonial Hockey League. I didn't really know, like, the East Coast League was kind of the the next step to the American League. I said, he goes, no, I'm telling you, it's good. We got guys that are NHLers, and, and, and he goes, it's good, I'm telling you. So the, the GM ended up calling me, and he offered me more money to go play there. So I'm like, oh. So hold, okay. so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, slow down. Because I have that written down here, the C-O-H-L. So that's the Colonial Hockey League. You're telling me you were getting offered more money to play for the Brantford Smoke or whatever other team it was. Yeah. Instead of what, the East Coast or the AHL? The East Coast. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, the East Coast, they pay peanuts anyways, right? Yeah. So they were offering me more money. And I so I'm like, okay, well, so I went in and talked. So John Brophy was my coach in, uh, in Hampton. And this is like, so now I've been healthy scratched. I'm like, where the hell do I stand on this team? Blah, blah, blah. And so I went into his office the next day and I said, hey, bro, so I just want to let you know that I'm getting a call. I'm getting offers from other teams and they're better than this. And he, he looks me straight in the eyes 
He goes, take your offer. And I went, all right, then I guess I'm done. And that was it. I left, left his office and went home, packed my stuff and, uh, and moved back to Ontario and I went and played for the Brantford Smoke. Um, that's really weird that both coaches I've done back-to-back nights were both coached by the same guy. He brought up John Brophy too, the guy last night. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's kind of weird. This guy must have coached a lot of teams, eh? Oh, Brophy coached for 50 years. He coached the, coached the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, he coached everywhere. He was he was like the the Brophy stories are are crazy. Like he was nuts. He was what? certifiable nuts. And but I, I'll tell you the one thing I'll say about this is I played the best hockey I've ever ever played in my life under under him. He pushed me harder than anybody ever pushed me. And and I played like I was in the best shape of my life playing for him. And I played so well. And I, I you know, the only thing he couldn't do, he couldn't communicate, right? Like that was his big, his big problem. And I, I actually on that WhatsApp chat, I said that I was telling the story. I, I was in the bit of the doghouse with him. And so the next game I went out my first two shifts, I got in two fights. I got kicked out of the game and he comes up to me. I like dead, not serious. And he says to me after, after the game, he goes, Easter best game you played for me in two years. I played two shifts and I got kicked out of the game and got two fights. <laughs> and he goes, that's the best game you played for me. And he and was, you, that, you're that, saying he's serious. He was serious. Like, he wasn't being sarcastic. Like he so, was he, actually, so that's what he wanted you to do. That was he wanted me role. to fight. He wanted me to fight all the time, right? So he was basically telling you, I don't want you to play hockey. I want you to fight. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I played, and I tell you, I played really, really good for him. And like, so you fought a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, you had to in that, in that league, but yeah. So that's kind of, you know, I enjoyed it. Like it was down playing down there. We had, we had an unbelievable team. The rink was packed every single night. Like they thought we were rock stars down there, man. You couldn't, you, you know, they were, we were like, they thought we were the NHL and, you know, I'm making 300 bucks a week. Like it was, <laughs> You know, it was nothing. <laughs> Even back then, 300 bucks a week wasn't that great. Okay. So, last episode, or a couple episodes ago, I talked about one of the best <laughs> hockey team names in the world, which was the Milverton Four-Wheel Drives. Oh, yeah. But I don't think the Bradford Smoke is that far off. Um, or the Chatham Wheels which are a couple of the names I've written down from the Colonial Hockey League. So what is that like now that you leave there and head to – basically, I'm assuming it's the Senior A loop that's around here now. They just paid you more than the East Coast. Well, it, no, it wasn't. It was it was much better than what the Senior A loop is. Like, there was, there was senior guys playing it, but it was a little older than what – like, the East Coast League was all younger guys, like fresh out of junior – fresh out of college, draft picks that are trying to develop. The Colonial League back then was a lot of older guys. We had a lot of guys that had played in the American League, a lot of, like Lou Franceschetti played on my team. Uh, There was tons of ex-NHLers that were playing. So the competition level would have been pretty much the same. Like our goalie in Brantford was Mark LaForest, who played however many years in the, in the NHL, like, and so guys like that were scattered throughout the league, but it was, it was the same. Like it was tough as nails. It was just, we had, uh, there was Brantford, um, St. Thomas, Flint, Michigan, 
uh, Fraser, Michigan, which was Detroit, um, and Thunder Bay. That was the first year of the league. Thunder Bay? Why Thunder the Bay. hell are they jumping in on that? Yeah. That so we used sense. to fly. The first year we flew up to Thunder Bay, and then it was so expensive. We used to bus up there, right? So it, it was good. And then the league, the league grew. And I think Muskegon, Michigan ended up coming in there. Um, London, or sorry, St. Thomas moved to London. Chatham ended up coming into the league. And then Chatham folded and they ended up becoming Saginaw. Like there was teams were moving all over the place, but the Brantford Smoke were there for, I don't know, whatever, five or six years. I don't know where the smoke name came from, but we would come out at the start of the games. And you probably have never heard the song, but there's a group called deep purple and they have a song called smoke on the water. And we would, we would come out to that song. It was pretty cool. The Chatham wheels, uh, the owner of the team, there was a famous resort in Chatham it was called the wheels Inn, the wheels resort Inn, and that's how the Chatham wheels had their name. But, but there was tons of like, uh, there was tons of guys that played in that league guys that went from the NHL, uh, out of that league. And vice versa, that came from the NHL back to that league. Well, it, made, it, it ended it up makes, turning into the United League. Well, it, it makes sense because, uh, like, guys, especially from Ontario, like, you imagine having a pro league where you can actually live at home? And well, play. and that's what, it, and that was the selling point for me, right? So I was getting paid more money and I lived at home and I drove to Brantford. There was, um, there was three of us from Waterloo that drove that we played on Brantford, uh, Terry McCutcheon and myself and, uh, Sorry, what was the name? Jamie, what Terry was the McCutcheon. Name? I think that's the guy's He name. coached the Siskins for a little bit. I'm pretty sure though, that that's the guy's record. I broke for the sugar Kings. No, no. He played for the water Siskins or you broke the league record. I no, you're know. thinking of Terry Holscher. Oh, is that the name? I thought Terry. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Terry Holcher, who I played with when I played in Elmira. Oh, so you were on that team when he yeah. did it? Uh no, I think he that he, that was probably after I was already in Ottawa when he when he did it. But uh anyway, yeah. So we would me and McCutcheon and uh Jamie Hicks, we would uh we would travel together back and forth to Brantford to go play games. <laughs> It honestly sounds a lot like playing for the Ripley Wolves. Like we had guys from Listowel that would drive up as a car load to wherever we were playing that night. And on the way there, they hang out, chit chat. And then on the way back, it's a few roadies. Yeah. Um, same idea. Right. Like, and, and that's what makes senior a pretty fun. And, uh, that sounds very similar, but you guys actually got paid. So that's cool. Yeah. Like it was still, it was still professional hockey. Like I wasn't working or anything like that at the time. Now we did have, we did have some guys that had full, we had uh, two guys that had full-time jobs that would just show up for games, but they were, they were the, the exception. Cause I actually, once I got, once I got done playing, I played one year of senior hockey for, for Pi. Pi was my coach in Tavistock. What? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? You never knew that, did you? I played for the Tavistock Royals. I never finished a game. I played oh. 11 games, never finished one of them. <laughs> you fought every game? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I yeah. Hockey used to be so different. It used to be like guys used to go get their anger out at the rink and like fight each other. Now it's like 
uh, it's just so different, isn't it? It is. It's, I mean, it's, it's changed, it's changed for good, but it, you know, it gets, it's just different. Like these guys, the players nowadays are so good. Like you watch, like, even when I was coaching you guys, cause you guys were behind me. And I remember thinking like the skill level that you guys had versus the players that I played with coming up. Right. Like it was, and, you know, and even at the junior B level, the skill level was so high and now it's even, it's even changed again. Right yeah no it's 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 weird like when you see kids picking up the puck like doing the michigan around the net and yeah. like they're all practicing that stuff they're all way good but so <clears throat> we got to get on topic here because we've gone through basically your career in my eyes from what i got on the notes but we haven't got into your coaching career and we got to be almost done because I think we're at like an hour and a half and we still got to have the post game chat. So <laughs> I, all I got is we already covered Dave officer, but was winning with the sure Kings. And the two names I have written down are coaching Jeff Van Iannatten and playing against Nathan Horton as a 13 year old. Yeah, that kid. So I'll start with Nathan Horton. So I remember, so once we realized when we had gotten through um, the, we, we had won the Cherry Cup. And so Graham and I, uh, we drove down to watch Thorold play. And they were good, but Horton was the best player on the ice. And we're just like, this guy is unreal. He was 13. Yeah, well, I think he was, no, he got, no, he was. He was 13. No, he was 15 at that. He had started when he was 13. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. That was his third year. His third year in the league when he was 15. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was thinking he was 13. He was. No, no, he was 15. He was 15 because he got drafted that year to the Oshawa Generals. as an. That's what it was. I was wondering why he was so good. Okay. Now it makes sense. He was, he was so good. And we said, well, that, that's the guy that we need to, that we need to shut down. And uh, so I remember, I, I don't know exactly how it came up, but I remember saying to Dave, like, Rank is our guy. We got to put Kyle Rank on it because Ranker was just in, like, he would just piss people off. Right. And Ranker did a great job. But the member of the two games we lost, Horton had like seven points in those two games. Like yep. he just, he just lit it up. But he was, and those was, were not the games that Ranker literally chased him around everywhere. He never left his side. No, the whole game. Just, that was never it. left him. Yeah, Ranker, this is your guy. Didn't you even play hockey. No, didn't even play hockey at all. No, you just you don't you don't let him touch the puck is basically what we told him. And we won the series when that happened. Remember yeah. that? Yes, we do, man. You know what? The one of the biggest turning points was when when remember when we had the brawl and Dunner. Dunner fought that big John Scott, that six foot eight behemoth. And Kenny Dunn was like 15 years old at the time fighting him. <laughs> and, and I think Fish ended up pounding somebody. It was a full on line brawl. And I remember I was screaming at their assistant coach and I'm just like, and this is perfect. This is perfect because they were trying to intimidate us. And we said like, and Ken Dunn who's 15 years old is fighting John Scott, the same yeah. guy who becomes an NHL all-star for being brutal at hockey. Yeah. Uh, but just like our 15-year-old Ken Dunn decides to drop the bits and just have a heyday with John Scott. And, like, he didn't 
he he didn't win the fight, but like he did all right, buddy. But, but like realistically, when somebody does something like that, and you know what? I talked about this in the Barrett Eggets episode, and I forgot who it actually was. Beaner's brother, BJ Crombie's brother, or sorry. No. Who did we play with? Ryan. Ryan. His brother, BJ, was the one who fought Lane Manson on my team in the finals. And when you see, like, a guy's willing to do that, it just brings the team together, and it's like, we'll we'll do anything we'll do anything and ken dunn will fight john scott like we'll do anything yeah then all of a sudden we're lifting a trophy right absolutely buddy that was a turning point in that whole series man as far as i was concerned they thought they could run us out of the rink and i think that even happened i think that might have even been in the round robin or maybe it was in the maybe it was in the finals but i just remember thinking this is perfect this was perfect yeah, and you were screaming at people saying you were gonna rip their head off and and uh your mullet's better than their mullet. Yeah, right? well, that's what you do. Right. No, as I I'll never forget it. Like that was what I remember about the winning part because it was it was Ken Dunn fighting that guy, and then I ended up in his parents' hot tub that night with the trophy, and man, it was that like being a high school student in your hometown and getting to experience that was something incredible. Yeah, it was, that was a great, uh, that was a great year, man. And that, that playoff run was something else. And, you know, like you just got to remember like Thorold through the game against Chatham so they could play us. Is they, that what you, happened? Or they threw, or they let, yeah. I, no, no, it was, it was, I, or we were playing them the final game of the round robin they and they sat that's what it was they sat they pulled their goalie after the second period they sat their they sat their top two lines and we went out and we beat them so we we ended up playing them and Chatham was pissed no you're Chatham right was, so the way it works is the people around the world cuz this is global John that <laughs> we're getting listened to all over the place is uh in the the way it works is there was three junior B leagues the three champions would then play a round robin. You'd play a home and away against each team. And whichever two teams had the best record at the end of it got to play a best of seven. So you don't know yeah. any of these teams the whole year. Then all of a sudden you play a home and away, which is for all the marbles to make it to the finals. And then you play a best of seven. So you haven't seen each other all year. Then all of a sudden you can play nine games against each other like that. That's what it was, man. It was, it was, it was awesome. Oh man, that Oops, was so. when we won it against Thorold and they bench or not bench, they they didn't play well, they their top players. Right. And if they would have won that game, we were they done. Play, they played Chatham and we're That's done. Right. And then we end up beating them in the finals. So that is just <laughs> hilarious yeah i think we've been in five or six games i can't remember but i just remember we won it right in elmira we won in the rink in elmira right and like i don't even have any of those pictures like there was no iphones back then oh, we got... had no wait we, we had probably the old polaroids or something going that night right like nobody's got pictures of any of this the only one that's got stuff from that night is clipboard oh we'll find him <laughs> he's he's still biking around on elmira for sure I'll oh, find God him. bless Clippy. Oh, yeah. What a beauty. 
Uh, he was my grade six uh, communications teacher. Oh, was he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a he is a staple for the Elmira Sugar Kings. He's been doing it since the seventies, I think. Okay, last topic of the uh, episode. What was it like coaching Jeff Van Nida? Because now that I'm doing this podcast, I have certain people I've picked out for like the big episodes where it's like 25, 50, 75, 100. He's one of those guys. So is Carl Hudson. So is Deese. Um, and so is Hendo because I raced his episode that we already recorded, which was great. <laughs> uh, but like, Van Ayanatan is a special person. Um, he's one of my great friends that like I, I just lost contact with, right? And I can't wait to have him on, but it's got to be the right time because the guy's an absolute legend. And um, now he's a pig farmer. And I just, I, I just can't wait to catch up with the guy because he's an absolute beauty. Well, he is, he was hard to coach because he he just did what he wanted and his temper would get the his temper would get the best of him but he was so good and uh, you know we ended up uh we ended up getting uh do you remember who rich ennis was uh the the mental coach yeah yeah so that was uh, that was Dave. Dave uh, officer came up with that, and and he put he put Richie Innes with with Jeff to get him focused and and just kind of keep him <laughs> keep him on the straight line because because he was he was a wild child, right? And he had a temper, and when things started going south, you couldn't get him back. And it, so, and when I first got there, because I was just new, I was just kind of watching and observing, and I'm like, oh my god, this goalie is insane, and. <laughs> but he was good and you could see the talent right and yeah. uh, so when we won that championship and he was such a big part of it the best game i ever remember nats playing and i don't know if you remember this or not but we it was the next year and we were um it was right after the christmas break and we were playing our first game back was in stratford in at the almond arena sold out like it was still the it was still christmas break it was a Friday night in Stratford, and and uh, Nats is is a local to Stratford, and they outshot us fifty to twenty or something like that. And Nats stood on his head, and he was so good that night. I, I think we had a you probably scored both the goals. We ended up winning like two to one, and we had no business winning that game. But Nats was unreal, and he, you know. And I, I honest to God, thought he was going to play in the NHL. I thought he was that good. Like, that's um, how good I thought he was. No, like, to be honest, I remember how much it meant to him every time because he kind of had the same thing you had in Waterloo with Roscoe. Um, was that he got cut from the Stratford Colletons, and that's yeah. how he ended up in Elmira. And every time we would go back there, it meant so much to him to just shove it. Well, do you remember that game? Probably. I, I don't. I I don't remember it, but I remember that arena. And I remember Ben Nyanatan playing out of his mind every time we played there because yeah. he would be so pissed off that they cut him because his dream as a kid 
was, was the, to play the for the Stratford Carlton's and yeah. they they cut him and I remember it because like even to this day I still know there was a couple people in the executive in Elmira that really didn't like me and um I don't know if that's from growing up in a small town or what that is but like you know when people don't like you you know like and Van Nyenaten got gassed like from his small town and yeah. uh then he ends up in Elmira and he gave it to them every time we every played. time and when we beat them when like the year before when we beat them in the playoffs to go into the finals like that was so good and he was like that whole playoff series like the the whole playoff run outside of a, a couple of bad games here and there he was unbelievable right and w- without without him we don't win the southern cup like he was he was oh. so good for us he was so good. Like I honestly, guy, I remember telling, I remember telling people back then. I said this kid can play in the NHL, and he got, he ended up getting the scholarship to Niagara. And from what I understood, he had a, he had a great career with Niagara, and then he ended up, uh, where do you, he was down in the Central League or something, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So he's gonna come on and tell his story, but like he was like, I got to be one of the best goalies I ever played oh, with. He was, so and, good. He was yeah. big. He was athletic. You know, and he had like you just never knew what you were gonna get with him. Like as so you just think as an opposing player, you're going in to stand in front of this net. This guy might swing a stick at you. Like <laughs> yeah. you just didn't you had no he idea. He might actually him. fight you. Like he he, might. He, he, yeah. I remember him fighting at center ice a couple of times in Elmira, and he would just kick the shit out of the other goalie, and then he would go off the ice like wiping <laughs> his hands. <laughs> He was a he he was a character, but he he was such a big part of that team, man. Like he was so good. Like I said, I was I said at the start of this thing, it was I think it was the year we were playing in Sarnia, and he came off after the first period because he had he let two shitty goals in, and he was like blaming somebody else. And I just said, shut the fuck up and stop the puck. Like that's all you got to worry about. Don't worry about who made a mistake. Just stop the puck. And then, you know, like he just kind of calmed down and then he was, he was unbelievable after that. Oh, man. He was a hell of a goalie. Like he was so good. He was. And he was like one of, he was like my best buddy on the team. And then you just don't see people again, right? Like you just, he goes to Niagara. We run into each other at a couple maple syrup festivals and have a heck of a time in Elmira. And then, he becomes a pig farmer like an hour away and it's only an hour away, man. Like until I start this podcast, it's only an hour away, man. I'll come see you. If I got to buy microphones or whatever we got to do to do a live one, like I'll, I'll get Van Nyenaten on here because he's a special individual. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Wally is a guy who's a little bit older than you now and I still have two buddies of mine that I played junior with in Ottawa. And for the last 25 or 26 years, um, we've gotten together every year at our cottage. We still do it. They're kids. Like, so we started my, my one buddy's oldest son is now 26 years old. And the first year we did it, he was just a baby and he, and the kids still come. So my kids are there. My two buddies, kids are there. They're all in their twenties now. Like it's, and we've continued, we've continued this on. And this is all from our relationship back when we played for the 67s. And it's phenomenal. And we, we, we tell the same damn stories every summer. Our wives know the stories better than we can tell them. And it's just, it's, 
you know, th those, those relationships, those friendships that you've built up, uh, keep them because they're awesome. I man, I, it, you're going to make me choke up again. I don't do that on here anymore, but, uh, when I walk the dog and I'm like, well, I want, like, who should I listen to today? Like, which, which buddy should I remember today? And like, I, I put on the podcast and I listened to Hammer talking about cooking in Germany, or I listened to um, Baron Eggett's talking about winning in Elmira, or I talked, or I listened to Pigs and playing in Cardiff, or the goats of the best players I ever played with in Europe. And it's like, I have all this documented now. Like, I don't, I, it's not like um, all the pictures on my phone that never get printed, that never get seen. I now have this where people are hearing it, it's real. And when I'm ever dead and gone, if my kids want to hear my voice, there you go. It, it's out there, right? Like you can re-listen to how big of a donkey I was back in my twenties and thirties, right? Like this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, good for you, buddy. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're happy, man. That's the the biggest key in the in in life is you got to be happy. Absolutely. No matter man. what you're doing, if you're doing, even if you're making a million dollars, you're not happy. It ain't worth it. I don't make any money for doing this. I just do this because I want to. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying, right? You like no, being totally happy, is, it, being happy is the the biggest thing you can get. Absolutely, man. And like to think I could do this from my shed, from my computer, and like me and you haven't talked and what's it gotta be? 15, 15 years? At least 15 years, maybe longer. Yeah. And like, I really respected you. And I know um, a guy like Andrew, because you were a defenseman. I know yeah. a guy like Andrew Lachner really looked up to you. And I think you really shaped his career. And like, he's one of my best buddies. And uh, I know what impact you had for that very brief time in Elmira. And I, I mean, that's why I wanted to have you on, man, because it, it wasn't just your hairdo. It wasn't, <laughs> it, that's not the only reason I wanted to have you on. Well, I pre I appreciate that, Wally. I, I listen, man. Every team that I coached, there was always, uh, you know, trials and there, but there was always great stories that came out of it. Great relationships that I had from, uh, from the great, you know, the game is the one thing. But as I said to you earlier, like the relationships that you make in in this sport are they last longer. The rest of it is just stories, but the relationships that you can continue on, and and or remember like that or like you said have it had impacts on on your life and you know you guys had impacts on my life like it was I was just starting out as a coach like I had coached one year of midget AAA before I came to you guys I really didn't even know what I was doing and you know I understood the game and I had thoughts in my head and then you know all of a sudden I'm thrust into this championship team and you know you're like okay let's go man like now this is the go time but those relationships that you build are you know life lasting well 
it sucks we lost that last game. It was. Like, it really does suck because, like, when you see that WhatsApp group, and you're right, we had, like, 10, 12, 20-year-olds that, like, they don't know the pain of the, the next year. Um, um, it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes, like, hearing them on the WhatsApp group because I have that – I'm just too competitive competitive eh like i just need to relax it's just life buddy well sometimes you lose right well it happens if somebody has to lose right yeah well and that's like in a competition there's a winner and there's a loser and somebody's gonna win somebody's gonna lose and you know like you can't not everybody can win the winning is great but the losing is also you know part is also part of it you know, I just, think about it. Some some guys have never won in their life. Like, right, it's it, the worst they've ever been in. They've never won. No, you're right. And like <laughs> for and that's why I guess I could start a podcast is because I won in like four different countries. And I have so that's what 80 guys that will come on a podcast in a heartbeat because you won with them. You you won with them. The years I didn't win, I I haven't really called those guys. And I was like, hey, man, you want to come on a podcast and talk about how we didn't win? <laughs> but you know what? I'll bet you they would come on and just talk. They would just talk BS with you, right? They would just love to hear from you. And, you know, like, especially if you had good relationships with those guys. Oh, no, I, I, have, I have so many people. <laughs> it's crazy. But, like. I, I wanted to have you on because first because of your lettuce. Um <laughs> like that hairdo was incredible. Uh, but also because you were the first like real coach I had that really taught me the game and how to behave. And we never did get into me jumping into the bench. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but I remember you pulling me aside one day and saying, listen, man, I understand every time you score, you like to jump at the bench or whatever, if it's a big goal, but like, it's gotta be the right time. And you better know we're winning that game because there was a game. I jumped in the bench and I think it was Chatham that came back and beat us that game. And I had jumped in the bench after a goal, which, I don't even think I could do now. I couldn't even actually jump into a bench. I could hardly get over the boards to get on the ice at the end. So I'm not sure how I was jumping into the bench. The one, the first one that I remember, and I actually, uh, when that whole WhatsApp thing started, I actually uh, wrote that on there. It was, I think it was in the Stratford game. We were losing. We were, it was like in the third period, we were down four, one or four, nothing. And we came back and you either scored the tying goal or the winning goal. And we were on our, like, I, on the was, I, I might've been both. And so that would have, that was the game three. That would have either put Stratford up three, nothing or made the series two to one and you scored and you came flying into the bench. And I remember that, like I was jacked then, but then you kept doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but that one, I remember I scored, that one. Too. That I remember was the first that one. time I ever did it, and it got the boys going. Oh, I scored, and I 
I, we were down two nothing this series, and whatever that goal did, I literally jumped. In, it it in was crazy. Bed. It was crazy, and that we were so like, like I've been on both sides of those games where you're where you're coming coming back, or you've had the big lead and you blow the lead, and there's a feeling, right? And I remember in that game when we scored that first goal, I remember thinking, okay, here we come, here we come, and. And it was just, it was a build. And then we kept coming, we kept coming. And then when you scored that goal and you came in the, and I'm just like, yeah, we got this, you know, we got this. And it was just, you know, you just get those, you get those feelings, but I've been on the other side of it. I remember a few years later when I was the head coach of the sugar Kings. So you were, you would have already been in Western Michigan by this point in time. And we had a really good team. This would have been like when Andrew Colburn was on the team, Dunner was still playing, uh, Jeremy Machen, like we were, we had a really good team in Cambridge. Us and Cambridge were the two best teams. And we had like a 6-1 lead heading into the third period. And all of a sudden they scored early in the, early into the third period to make it 6-2. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. And I could feel it, right? And their bench started to get up and we kind of sunk down. And then all of a sudden it was 6-3 and then 6-4, then 6-5. Then 6-6, six, six, and we lost our defenseman. We had, like, less than 10 seconds to go in the game. Our defenseman had the, our veteran defenseman, this guy Adam McHenry, who played so well for us, had the puck in our end, and he just decided to, to shoot it up the middle of the ice. It went right to their defenseman. He made a pass to a guy sitting on the back door, and he tapped it in, and we lost 7-6 in regulation. And uh, just, but I could feel it like you could when they scored that second goal. You, and I mean, I did the whole time out, I you know, blasted the guys. Then I'm like, okay, we got to be positive. Like, we were trying everything just to get the, the momentum turned around, and just we just couldn't. They were they just had it coming, but it was the same thing as what we did against Stratford in that series. Oh man, when <laughs> I'll never forget jumping in the bench, like, I, I, everybody, like had to catch me right like there was like 10 guys trying to catch me and i was just going over like full speed skates in the air like right over the board i think the only guy that was pissed was jimmy because you might have knocked some sticks over (laughs) yeah yeah no like and then i started doing it all the time and i remember the time i did it after a big goal in chatham and then we ended up not winning the game and you pulled me aside and you were like, you think you, I know you think it's funny to jump in the bench and it's cool and all, but like, you better make sure we're winning the effing game, right? Well, that's what coaches and, do, right? And you're absolutely right. And it stuck. I was like, you're right. Like, you're absolutely right. I can't be acting like that if, if we end up losing the game which was ridiculous. It was like the last minute of the game. We lost like eight, seven, but either way, I still, it stuck with me. There you go, buddy. Well, that was your trademark, right? Jump into the bench. You were the guy that started. So anybody that did it after you, you were the guy that started it. Oh man. That was so ridiculous when I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was like 10 people trying to catch me and I would just go in full <laughs> speed and like, I'm not even athletically given enough to do that now like i couldn't even jump over a bench i could hardly get over the bench let alone jump over it well you guys are getting old now buddy how old are you now uh 37 i think 
Yeah, there you go. 30, you, so when you're I, 52, eh? 209 50, pounds. Yeah, no, maybe 200 and uh, higher than that. 200. I just had a physical done this week. I was 265 pounds. Well, I, I guess you're still at the uh, heavy, offensive line. You're still in the heavyweight division of the UFC. So I there guess go. we're going to end the recording now. So we can have our post game <laughs> brew and discuss uh, today's game and whether or not we scored on the first or second line or whatever we played on today. Hey, eh, John. Sounds good, buddy. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott from Santa Claus. 